Last week, I, I talked about acknowledging church hurt. I talked about being confident that the Lord will deal with those who hurt you. We, we looked at don't confuse God's people with God. We talked about don't give up on all people because of some people. We dove into last week, don't forfeit God's purpose because of the pain. It was such a foundational message last week. And today, I want to talk to you about how do you go Guard your heart from church hurt. Some of you haven't experienced a lot of church hurt. You're here, you're like, you know, maybe a little bit, but not, not really a, a, a significant impact on my life. And yet, you've never been taught, a lot of you, on how do you guard your heart from church hurt. How do you ensure that you're not susceptible right now to church hurt? What would you need to do to guard your heart from being hurt by the church? I want to help you today. And then there are others of you that you would say, Pastor, I've experienced a lot of church hurt. I've been, I've been hurt. I've been, I've been wounded. I've, I've, I've had pain. And, and, and I believe this throughout this series. God's going to bring healing He's going to minister deep to your heart. I, I, I know that he is by the power of the Holy Spirit. But I also want to equip you by teaching you how do you protect and guard your heart from future church hurt. If, you, if you're not even aware of some biblical principles, you can find yourself right back in the same situation again. Although there are times it's not even our fault. But how many know we want to be on the offensive? We want to be able to guard our hearts from this whole issue of church hurt. And I want to help us today by giving us seven biblical practices to guard your heart from church hurt. And the first is this, number one, don't expect the church to be perfect. To guard your heart from church hurt, you have to always remember there's only one perfect person that has ever walked the face of the earth. And it wasn't you, and it's certainly not me. It was Jesus Christ Ecclesiastes says this in chapter 7 and verse 20, not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. Not a single person on earth is, is always good. There's not a single person on earth besides Jesus that never sins. Not only is there only one perfect person, there's only one perfect place. And it's not the church. It's not Boone Pickens Stadium. It's not the Gaylord Stadium down there in Norman. The, the one perfect place is the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. <laughs> I, just, I just making sure you still paying attention. All right, not, not really. It's, it's not a perfect place either. And, and nor are the beaches in Florida or California or Costa Rica or Hawaii, nor is your home perfect or my home perfect. The only perfect place is heaven. Jesus is perfect. And heaven is a perfect place. Everything and everyone else falls miserably short of perfection. And one of the reasons we can find ourselves being hurt in church is because we can have unrealistic expectations. You see, in any area of your life where you have unrealistic expectations, you're setting yourself up for disappointment, frustration, hurt and pain. When Tiffany and I got married, I entered into our marriage with a lot of unrealistic expectations. 
didn't even realize that I had unrealistic expectations, but I did. And there was no way she could live up to my unrealistic expectations. And all those unrealistic expectations that I had on Tiffany, it did not lead to peace in our marriage. It led to pain. It was unrealistic. And it's in every, every area of your life. If you have unrealistic expectations with your children or with your parents or unrealistic expectations with your job, if you have unrealistic expectations with, with family or friends, you will find yourself frustrated. You will find yourself hurt. You will find yourself in pain. And that's even with the church. There's no perfect church. No church that you will ever attend will be a perfect church. You will always be able to go to a church and if you look, you'll be able to find faults and deficiencies in every church. And if you happen to go and find a perfect church, if somebody tells you that's a perfect church, don't you go. Because you'll mess up that thing. You're going to mess it. You're going to mess it up. The, the, the raw reality is in church, it's full. The church is full of messed up and jacked up people. So don't ever expect the church to be a pain-free environment. Whenever you get imperfect people together, sooner or later, somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to experience some pain. Somebody is going to experience some challenges. So one of the things we have to realize is don't expect the church to be perfect. We've got to have realistic expectations. The number two is this. There's a second biblical practice to guard your heart from church hurt, and that is don't put pastors on a pedestal. I would just put a parenthesis there and just say, don't put pastors or their families on pedestals. I, I, I've been able to, to speak in a, in a lot of places throughout the years. I, I love traveling from time to time and, and preaching in churches and really love preaching at pastors' conferences and, and equipping leaders. And, and whenever I, I, I fly in uh, to a particular city, I'm speaking at an event, and uh, they'll, they'll pick me up, and, and they, they always, uh, in almost a lot of places, they, they want to get my bag. Hey, can we get your bags for you? And, you know, can we get your Bible for you? And, and that, that, that's so awesome. But, I, you know, I'm just kind of one of those. I got my own bag. I can carry my own Bible. I, don't need, I, I, I really don't need, need your assistance there. But, but I really appreciate their heart because their heart, what they want to do is honor. They're just wanting to honor a guest and honor a leader. And I, I appreciate, I like to honor people. I, I want to honor you and honor people and honor leaders because honor is biblical. First Thessalonians chapter five and verse 12 and 13 says, dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. So the scripture teaches honor leaders. It's, it's a biblical to honor, but you have to guard your heart that honoring leaders doesn't shift into worshiping leaders. And here's what the scripture says, an example of in Acts chapter 10, verse 25 and 26, it says, as Peter entered, in, entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up. I am a human being just like you. Peter said, stop bowing down and worshiping me. I'm not God. Don't put me on a pedestal. I'm a human being. 
being and no matter how much influence any of us get, we have to always remember we are just human beings. All of us are flawed. All of us are imperfect. There's only one person who's worth of all the glory and all the praise, and that is Jesus Christ. He deserves the honor and the praise. The attention should be on Jesus. And this is just my own personal uh, leadership style. You know, at People's Church, every year on Mother's Day weekend is our anniversary year. And we don't have a pastor's anniversary week and or a pastor anniversary day. It's our church's anniversary. And let me just say this. I'm not against pastor's anniversaries. I, I preach some. It's just not my flow because it's just not good on my heart. And it's not that that I'm so, so holy, it's because I'm not holy. And y'all don't need to puff me up, amen. Just, just, I just, it's, it's, just, it's, just my, it's just not about me. It's, it's not about me. Every year during birthday season, you know, most of you wouldn't know, some of you would, but a matter of fact, my birthday was on a Sunday this year. But I didn't say anything about it because it's not about me. And I'm not against birthday celebrations. Like, we're celebrating. I'm not against churches that celebrate their pastors and staff birthdays. I'm not against that at all. I just know it's not good on my heart to give me the attention. Let me do my best to keep the attention on Jesus because, boy, I can get puffed up really, really quick. This is just me. This is just me. Just me. Just me. I, every year, is, 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 it's a weakness of mine. We, we, we have pastor appreciation. I need to appreciate our staff way more. They're so incredible. But, but just that month of October, I, I just never have celebrated Pastor Appreciation this month. And, and I believe, and I think we ought to honor pastors. We ought to celebrate them. Thank God for all of the pastors and staffs and leaders that are, that are leading. But it's just never been my flow because I just always felt like, man, I do not need to put the attention on me, not because I'm so holy, because I'm so unholy, and I can easily get my head puffed up. And so what I tried my best to do is let's put the focus on Jesus. Let me say this to you, church. Church, don't you ever worship me. Don't you ever worship any other pastor. Don't you ever worship any other leader. Only Jesus is worthy of the praise and the honor and the glory. He's the one that's worthy of all of the attention. Listen, here's where people get mad messed up. They start elevating a leader. They start, they, they, they start putting leaders on a pedestal. And whenever you start putting leaders on a pedestal, you're setting yourself up for hurt, pain, and disappointment. When people start worshiping people, when a pastor messes up, they leave the church. And I'm not talking about just a local church, because there are sometimes you need to leave a local church. It's toxic. It's, it's sinful things that are happening. But I'm talking about when a pastor messes up, people stop going to church, period. They stop pursuing God with a body of believers. Their, their relationship with Jesus begins to wane and they no longer seek God. And if a pastor messing up messes up your relationship with God, then you have to ask yourself, how strong is my relationship with the Lord? Don't let a leader messing up mess you up with Jesus. 
Listen, don't put a person on a pedestal. You worship Jesus and Jesus alone. He's the only one that deserves your worship and your praise. I love what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2. He says, fixing our eyes on who? Come on, shout it again on who? Come on, somebody put in the chat line who? Fix your eyes not on Herbert, not on a pastor, not on a leader. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author, the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. Jesus is our focus. Jesus is on the pedestal. That leads me to point number three. Don't put all your hope in people. If you put all your hope in people, you will end up hurt and disappointed. Psalm 62, verse 5, the psalmist said, my, yes, my soul. Finds, find, find, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Your hope must come from God. Your hope cannot come from a pastor, your small group, your dream team. Your hope can't come from a leader or a worship team. Your hope can't even come from your spouse. Your, your hope can't be in a boyfriend or a girlfriend or in your children or in your parents. Your hope can't come from money or material possessions or friends. Your hope can't come from your job. It can't come from your home. It can't come from anything else. Your hope has to come from God. Our hope is in Jesus. Somebody say, my hope is in Jesus. Come on, somebody say it again. My hope is in Jesus. Listen, you can't put all your hope in people. Your hope has to be in the Lord. There's a fourth, a fourth principle that I want us to see here on guarding our heart from church hurt, and that is this. Extend the same grace and mercy that you want to receive. Extend the same grace and mercy that you want to, to receive. So, so let, let, me, let me explain it to you like this. When you have the right perspective about church, when you have the right expectations about your church family, about pastors, about your small group, you have the right expectations about people you serve with on the dream team, your marriage, your kids, your, your, your parents, your boss, your employees, your, your teachers, you realize this, you realize this, when you have the right expectations, you realize that you're going to have to give people grace and mercy over and over again. As Christ followers, we need to give each other grace and mercy because God has given us grace and mercy. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. And just like Paul, we are who we are. We are where we are because of the grace of God. Is there anybody besides your pastor that you can say like me, God has been better to me than I deserve? Anybody else? Come on. God has been good to me. When I think about the Lord and all he's done for me, sometimes I just got to shout, thank you, Jesus, from rescuing this boy from Ewoka, Oklahoma, for saving me, filling me with the Holy Spirit, for allowing me to pastor and preach your thank you for my family. You've been better to me than I deserve. 
And because of the grace of God, he has blessed me more than I deserve. And because God has been so gracious to me, I have to turn around and be gracious and show mercy and grace to other people. And we also have to give grace and mercy because we want others to give it to us. Give grace and mercy because we want to receive grace and mercy. James 2 and verse 13 says, there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. And I want to give others grace and mercy because I want to receive it. I want to receive it from, from God now. I want to receive it on, on judgment day. But I also realize this. The scripture teaches that a man or woman reaps what they sow. And if you want to reap a lot of grace and a lot of mercy, you need to sow a lot of grace and a lot of mercy. Sow it so that you can reap it. You say, Pastor, what does it look like to sow grace and mercy? Let me just give you some examples so that you can get your mind wrapped around what it looks like in your day-to-day -day life to sow grace and mercy. Here's some examples. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Grace and mercy. You know, it's, I'm always interested to hear people that think that God has given them the spiritual gift of detecting everybody else's heart and motives. Your motive's wrong. How do you know everybody's motives? Give people the benefit of the doubt because you want to receive the benefit of the doubt. Here's another. Believe the best about people. Like in every environment you walk in, stop believing the worst about people. Come on, extend some grace and mercy and believe the best about people. Uh, here's another. Don't make things bigger than what they are. Extend grace and mercy. You ever walked into an environment and people just blow everything out of proportion? Oh, their toe is hurt. Their, ah, the toe is hurt. The toe is hurt. Like chill. Relax. Quit blowing things out of proportion. Extend grace and mercy. When people mess up, don't talk bad about them. Help them. Extend grace and mercy. Listen, when you hear something, don't spread gossip because you heard one thing. No, extend grace and mercy. Cover people's mistakes with love instead of with meanness. Just like I'm a, I got you. I'm going to cover you with love. Forgive people. Just, just extend grace and mercy. Give people room to make mistakes. Just extend grace and mercy. Just, just give people room to make mistakes. Matter of fact, just look at your neighbor right now and just say, I know you're going to do something stupid. <laughs> Especially you. I've already extended grace and mercy. You got stupid just on your head. Don't, don't, say, don't say that. Don't say that part right there. You just, you just got stupid all on you. You getting ready to do something. And I've already extended grace. I've already extended mercy your way because you need a lot of it. Yeah, just, just, just extend grace and mercy. It will help you from being offended and hurt and wounded over small and little and insignificant and even over some bigger things. Extend the grace and mercy that you want to receive. Number five is this. Don't judge all churches by the actions of some churches. There are people and perhaps even some today that, that, that come to people's church. And when they, they come, they, they've been hurt by another church. 
And when, when they come, they, they, they won't allow us to minister to them. They won't allow us to help them. They won't allow us to disciple them. Their, their walls are up so high. They come in cold. They're, they're distant. No, no one's going to ever hurt me again. And I get that. I have so much sympathy. You've been hurt and you, you've been wounded and, and you keep your guards up. And, but, but, but I want you to know that, that, that you, you end up missing out on God's best when you just start thinking, you know what, I'm going to put my guard up in every church that I go to because all churches are the same and all pastors are the same. And some of you have been coming here for a week or month or two or three or four, and you come every Sunday and you just go, preacher, I will not be moved. I will not be moved. I'm sizing you up right now, you joker, because all of you preachers are the same. And church, don't give up on all churches because of some churches. This summer, I went to a restaurant with my family, we had been there one other time, and we went to this restaurant, and we ordered our food, and the restaurant wasn't very busy. We were there kind of early in the, earlier in the day, and it, it just took forever for the food to come. It was just, man, it's taking forever. Man, it's taking forever. They finally brought out our food, and I got ready to take my first bite, and there was just long hair. First I thought, is that, is that kind of part? I ordered salmon, and you know, I thought, is that kind of what is, you know, I'm like, is that part of the salmon? I was like, Tiffany, what do you think? And I just start passing the play. Everybody's like, that's hair. And I'm like, man, I'm almost bald. I know that's not my hair. That didn't fall out of my, you know, I said, that's not my hair. And so I just got the uh, waitress and said, hey, there's some hair in my, 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 my salmon. And I was sorry about that. And they, they took it, the plate back to the kitchen. And, and, and then it just took forever. And my, my, by the time they finally brought out my salmon, my family was all done eating. Everybody's wrapped up and ready to go. And when I, when, when I take, uh, my, my, put my fork in the middle of the salmon to get ready to, to eat some of it and cut it up, the, the, the middle of the salmon was raw. I mean, they, they didn't even cook my salmon. The outside of the edges was kind of cooked. So I ate the outside of the edges and left the majority of the salmon cut up on the plate looking raw. And the, 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 the waitress says, well, how was it? I didn't say anything. I didn't say Take a look. And, and you know what I didn't do? At that moment, I did not say, I'm never going to eat at another restaurant again in my life. Now, I'm not going to eat at that one again. But I've been to some restaurants since then. Let me tell you what I did not do after that experience. I did not say, you know what? That was nasty. I've given up on eating. I'm not eating again. I will never eat again. Oh, no. No, brother, that has not given up on eating. I'm still eating good. I'm just not going to eat there again. And it's amazing how people can have a bad experience at a church, and it was hurtful. It was wrong. But don't give up on all churches because you had a bad experience at one church. And surely don't give up on Jesus. Don't give up on God because people have hurt you. You keep eating from the Lord. You keep serving the Lord. You keep worshiping the Lord. Listen, all churches are not bad. All pastors are not bad just like all teachers aren't bad and all doctors aren't bad and all lawyers aren't bad 
and all dis uh, dentists aren't, aren't bad, and all business owners aren't bad, and all organizations aren't bad, and all companies aren't bad. I simply want us to get in our heart. Don't judge all churches by the actions of some churches, or you will walk around with church hurt and never engage again in the family of God. Number six is this. Just look at your neighbor while I'm preaching and just say, I hope this is helping you like it's helping me. Go ahead and tell them. Yeah, yeah. Somebody just write that on the chat line right now. I hope this is helping you like it's helping me. Number six is this. Number six is this. Don't get caught up in the offenses of others. Don't get caught up in the offenses of others. I I've talked to several people throughout the years, and I had one person tell me, I'm, I'm leaving the church. Well, how come? Well, I'm leaving because my friend told me that their friend said that they got hurt by the church. I can't believe our church did that. I'm leaving the church because my friend, no, no, let, me, let me catch this now. You weren't a part of it. You weren't there. But, but you're going to leave the church because your friend told you that their friend told them that this happened to them and you're mad and you're offended. Like that, that, that happens and, and, and don't, don't, don't know if it's accurate, don't know if they got the information correct, but, but now they have an offended spirit. Their heart is hurt. My, now, now, my favorite is when people say, they said. Now, whoever they is, they're famous and they get blamed for a whole lot of stuff. I'm trying to figure out who they is, and I'm trying to figure out they's last name. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Huh? But they get blamed for a lot of stuff. Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15 says, one witness is not enough to convict anyone accused of any crime or offense they may have committed. A matter must be established by the testimony of two or three Witnesses, I want to just extract some biblical truth here. We're going to flip to the New Testament as well. But, but the Bible teaches us not to hear one thing from one person and then to get all caught up in the offenses of that person. You got to guard your heart. Are you going to always walk around hurt and offended if you're just picking up the offenses of everybody else? Sometimes you might hear something about it from, from somebody in your small group or you, you heard about somebody on your dream team and you just heard it from one person, don't know if it's true. And then if you're not careful, you start spreading gossip about something that you don't even know if it's accurate. Here's what I've learned. When I hear something, I realize this. I'm only hearing one part of the story. Like I just realized that I've just had to grow in that. Back in the day when, when, I, when I did marriage counseling, I've never been good at it because you don't want me to do marriage counseling because here's how I do it. Tell me, tell me what's going on. Stop. That's not biblical. Do that and it, if things will change. You know, that's kind of how I do my, my counseling. Follow the word of God. It, it, it'll work for you. And, and I, I remember listening to people tell me what was going on in their marriage. And it'd be one person's side of the story. One, one per, and I've learned this. Just because I heard one person's side of the story does not mean it's the entire story. There's usually two sides of a story even in a marriage relationship. So I typically realize when I'm hearing something, something I may not have all the facts. I just have a person's side of the story. Somebody's story sounds good until you hear the rest of the story. 
And just because someone says something doesn't mean what you're hearing is the entire truth or the full picture. And you can find yourself offended and hurt and mad over something you don't even know if it's accurate. The New Testament talks about this same principle in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 19. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. So in other words, just extracting some principles. Don't hear something from one person and then get caught up in the offenses of others. Don't get caught up in he said she said and now your own heart is wounded and offended by something that you weren't even involved in so so here's what I've learned I want to give you some filters of how I process that, that I've had to grow in my my, my walk with the Lord when I hear things. Here's what I filter, some questions that I ask myself when people are telling me something. I think these questions will help you. So when somebody tells me something, I think this, how do I know if what I just heard is true? I just ask myself, is the person reliable? How many know everybody who tells you something, everybody's not on equal footing when it comes to reliability? So just is, is what I'm hearing, is the person reliable? Could they be exaggerating what happened? I just ask myself that question. How many of you have some family members? Good family members. Even some of them love God. But you just know when they tell you something. You're like, you know, Ray Ray and them, Sam Tate was hammering, and they hammering, and they're like, you're like, like, you just know all of that, that was exaggerated, right? You just, you just got to ask, is that exaggerated? I ask myself, have I heard the other person's side of the story? I ask myself, do I have all the facts? I ask myself this question, why are they telling me this? Are they trying to solve a problem or create a problem? I ask myself, are they taking the problem down sideways? Are they taking the problem up to somebody who can actually help resolve the situation? I I always ask myself this question, what was the spirit in in which they told me? Was the spirit a helpful spirit or a harmful spirit? I just, I ask myself the question because I don't want to get caught up in the offenses of others. And sometimes you won't ever know all the facts, nor do we always need to know all the facts. Like as a pastor, I, I have a lot of confidential information. And aren't you glad that our staff, myself, aren't you glad that you can tell us confidential information and we don't tell your business on the street, on social media? I mean, we want to hold it confidential. Even, even if somebody comes up and says, well, you know what I heard about them? Well, I, I, that's none of your business. That doesn't help your life at all, doesn't impact your life. And so there are sometimes you just never know all of the facts. And here's the biggest thing we've got to take away for our own hearts. The big takeaway is remember to guard your heart and don't let the offenses of others cause you to have an offended and hurt heart. Or you will go through life and through church wounded, hurt, disappointed, and frustrated all the time. Number seven is this. Number seven is this. There's a a seventh biblical truth that I want us to get, and that is do not give up on the church. Let me pause and just talk to some people today that I know there's some people that are hurting. You've been hurt by the church, and, and boy, giving up sounds like the best thing to do. You're, you're watching online. You're like, Man, I'm just giving up on the church hurt too much. I can't believe that happened. And, and, and here's the reality. Some of what you have been through, some of you have experienced some tragic things in church. I'm talking about sinful, nasty, wrong, hurtful, 
super painful. It's real. I've experienced church hurt. My church hurt, my church hurt was, was real, painful, tears. But one of the best decisions I ever made is I'm not giving up on God's church and I'm not giving up on God. I'm not giving up on God's church and I'm not giving up on God. The enemy wants us to get wounded. He wants us to live wounded. He wants us to stay wounded. And let, let me show you how church hurt works. Well, you know, I pulled up to the church in the parking lot and nobody waved at me. I walked in the building to greet. I don't know what the, that greeter didn't say anything. The greeter don't even like, I know the greeter doesn't like me. The ushers didn't even talk to me this Sunday. I don't know what, I just, I just, I'm just sick of church. They don't even talk to me in the church and I'm, I'm hurt. Next thing you know, you're, you're wounded and say, well, you know, walked into church and somebody was sitting in my favorite seat. I've been coming to this church for years. They know where I sit. The usher did it on purpose. Wounded. I'm hurt. There's one pastor that said that he got an email from a church attender that said, I'm leaving the church. The usher set me on the left side of the church instead of on the right side of the church. And the anointing is on the right side. Some folks oversaved. How many know what I'm talking about? Just oversaved. Well, you know, um, you know, it was my kids, my kid and kids' church and youth ministry. They got their, their feelings hurt. You don't mess with my kids. I'm hurt. You got fooling with my kids. This is my neck. Hurt. Somebody in my small group, I heard they were talking about me. Somebody on the dream team, they were, I heard they were talking about me, saying stuff. I, I heard they were talking about me. And it's not even true. And I'm hurt. And you know what? It was serving on the dream team. And they asked me on the dream team. They asked, can you, they asked me, would I serve somewhere else? Like I'm not doing a good job. I don't, it's just mad. Yeah, I, I am going through a difficult time in my life financially. I called the church. I said, I need you to give me some money. Do you know what they told me? I got to fill out a benevolence form. I'm, I tithe. I'm so mad. I can't even walk. I'm so mad. <laughs> church, sick and tired of the church. Ain't no pastor up there preaching. Somebody told pastor my business. Cause it seems like every Sunday you're talking about me. Just, just, just. I'm hurt. And the worship team, 
to sing my songs. I, and I was, I was talking to somebody in the lobby, and, and they said some stuff I just disagree with. Church hurt. Lord, I'm coming into your presence. I'm not coming back to church. I'm staying online because I'm not fooling with church folk anymore. I've been hurt. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10 and verse 24 and 25, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up, not giving up, not giving up, not giving up, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The Bible says no matter what you go through, there'll be pain in church and hurt in church, but don't give up meeting together. Don't give up going to small group with people. Don't give up coming to church because you're hurt, because you understand it's people that hurt you but it's people that God uses to help you. It's people that hurt you, but it's people that God uses to heal you. Don't jeopardize your healing by staying away from church, by not getting in a small group. People will hurt you, but God uses people to help you. And I got some people right now that I, I need some help, y'all, because I can't hardly, I can't hardly make it. <laughs> I can't hardly make it. And God will use people if you will stay in church, if you will stay in a small group, if you will just stay there in the pain. God will use people to help you and to get you healed up. God will use people to get you and lift you back up and to get you back walking again. Yeah, I know people hurt you, but God uses people to help you and to heal you. You need the family of God. You need the church of God. Don't give up meeting together. Don't give up up meeting together. Don't give up meeting together. That's where your help comes from. You need God's church and you need God's people. Healing. You need it today. Healing today. Help today. God's church. Don't give up on God's church. Don't give up meeting with God's people. Get in a small group. September the 12th. It'll, help. it'll be painful, but it'll help your life to take that first step and engage in relationships. Some of you lead a small group where people can come and find help and healing. You're going to be the conduit of help and healing. Can I ask somebody right now, would you sign up to lead a small group? Just text PC groups right now, PC groups to 94000 and say, Lord, I'm available to bring healing and help to people who need it most. PC groups to 94000. Lord, use my life. Heavenly Father, church hurt is real. Pain is real. But your healing power is real. Touch the hearts of people. Minister to people. 
In Jesus' name I pray. His eyes are closed and heads are still bowed and you're here today and you're far from God. You don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you want to be saved. You want your sins forgiven. Perhaps you're here and you're away from God and you need to recommit your life, rededicate your life to the Lord. Hurt has you out of church. Sin has you away from God and you need to reconnect with God today. If that's you right now as I count to three, would you lift your hand high? You want to give your life to Jesus or recommit your life to him? Today is the day to be made right with God. One, two, three. Just lift your hand high. Thank you so much. Lift your hand. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So awesome. Thank you. So awesome. Thank you so much. Online, just click the raise your hand button. Thank you so much. So awesome. The hands lifted all around this place and other locations. Pray this with me. Heavenly Father, I turn from sin and I turn my life over to Jesus. I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. And I will live for him the rest of my life. Thank you for grace. Thank you for love. Thank you for mercy. And thank you for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, I pray.